A roll of lockpicks, and after some consideration, a punch dagger, a bag of assorted caltraps, and a set of brass knuckles. Tepic picked up his hat and checked its lining for the coil of cheese wire. He placed it on his head at a jaunty angle, took a last satisfied look at himself in the mirror, turned on his heel, and very slowly fell over. It was high summer in Ankh-Morpork. The great river was reduced to a lava-like ooze, and the heat that had dried most of the riverbed to a crust of cracked mud fried the city by day and baked it by night. It wasn't Ankh-Morpork's proper weather. It was, by inclination, a city of mists and drips, of slithers and chills. It sat panting on the crisping plains like a toad on a firebrick, and even now, around midnight, the heat was stifling. High in the north face of the Assassin's Guildhouse, a window was pushed open. Tepic, who had with considerable reluctance divested himself of some of the heavier of his weapons, took a deep draught of the hot, dead air. This was it. This was the night. They said you had one chance in two unless you drew old Merisette as examiner, in which case you might as well cut your throat right at the start. Tepic had Merisette for strategy and poison theory every Thursday afternoon and didn't get along with him. The dormitories buzzed with rumours about Merisette, the number of kills, the astonishing technique. He'd broken all the records. Or maybe it would be Nivor, who was fat and jolly and did traps and deadfalls on Tuesdays or the Comte de Yo-Yo, who did modern languages and music and was a keen edificer and liked boys who shared his love of dangling by one hand high above the city streets. Tepic unhitched his line and grapnel, hooked the gutter two floors up and slipped out of the window. No assassin ever used the stairs. In order to establish continuity with later events, this may be the time to point out that the greatest mathematician in the history of the Discworld was lying down and peacefully eating his supper. It's interesting to note that, owing to this mathematician's particular species, what he was eating for his supper was his lunch. Gongs were announcing midnight when Tepic crept along the ornate parapet four stories above Filigree Street, his heart pounding. There was a figure outlined against the afterglow of the sunset. Tepic paused to consider his options. Fairly solid classroom rumour said that if he inhumed his examiner before the test, that was an automatic pass. He slipped a number three throwing knife from its thigh sheath. Of course, any attempt which missed would attract immediate failure and loss of privileges, breathing for a start. The silhouette was absolutely still. Tepic's eyes swivelled to the maze of chimneys, gargoyles, ventilator shafts, bridges and ladders that made up the rooftop scenery of the city. Right, he thought. That's some sort of dummy. I'm supposed to attack it, and that means he's watching me from somewhere else. Will I be able to spot him? No. On the other hand, maybe I'm meant to think it's a dummy. Unless he's thought of all that as well. Tepic sheathed the knife and stood up. Sir, he said, I'm here. 
A dry voice by his ear said rather indistinctly, Very well. Tepic stared straight ahead. Merisette appeared in front of him, wiping grey dust off his bony face. He took a length of pipe out of his mouth and tossed it aside, then pulled out a clipboard. Ah, he said, his voice broadcasting disapproval. Mr. Tepic. Well, well. A very fine night, sir, said Tepic. The examiner gave him a chilly look and made a note on his clipboard. What is the maximum permitted length of a throwing knife? Tepic closed his eyes. He'd spent the last week reading nothing but the cordat. He could see the page now, floating tantalisingly just inside his eyelids. Naked terror hot-wired his brain and kicked his memory into gear. The page sprang into focus. Maximum length of a throwing knife may be ten finger widths or twelve in wet weather. Name three poisons for...